Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 277. Linz is joining me because I'm here every week, well, as you can tell. House. Well, you were I'm off like, last nope, week. As I was here last week, <laughs> I was just being quiet in the you background. You were at your house, but that's not where we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, so, uh, back to bring you another great... Uh, Podcast this this week. was a really great podcast this week. And for pennies a day, you too can <laughs> support your very own podcast. That's really awesome every week. Yeah, so we'll get into that more <laughs> when we get into the show. But uh, we talked a great deal about a couple key comic books. Yes. Uh, I gave a couple quick reviews that turned into longer Man, reviews. We put the comics back into Drunk on Comics this week. Yep, I talked about uh, Ultimates 2, number 100. Talked about Secret Empire and also the Mighty Thor, Unworthy Thor, Legacy, yeah, no, not Legacy, the... Generations. Generations, yeah, whatever. He doesn't even remember. And I talked about High Five Fight Club number one. So I put the comments back. You did. We had some pretty legit discussions about everything, though. It was was great. So we had a little bit of DCEU news and not DCEU news. A little bit of Marvel news. And their legacy. Yeah. So with that, uh, grab a flagon of mead and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 277, Death of a Sound Mixer. I think you should cry. I think that would boost our ratings a lot. If we could just post that. <laughs> Lindsay makes Tony cry. <laughs> Next on Drunk on Comics. I was going to start off with the Prince. Dearly beloved, oh. we are gathered here. To celebrate this thing called life. No, well, I was going to say, or to mourn the death of our mixer. Oh, yeah. Tony I, broke some shit. I didn't break it. It was <laughs> broken when we came in here. See, I, I don't live here, so I can only assume that this is probably your fault. I, yeah, I, well, I blame the electrical company when they decided to shut off power, and I feel that surge blew it up. But we also know when we bought this thing originally more than five years ago, it wasn't the greatest then. It's done its job. I mean, it lasted yeah. five years. Yeah. And it was probably... I feel at... like we thought it broke one other time before, too, and then you plugged it back in and it worked fine. Oh, fuck. Actually, I didn't... Tr- no, I did try plugging it in. But maybe I... we just let it rest for yeah, a while. <laughs> if not, we are going to have a burial for it in the backyard. Yes. I'll post pictures to Twitter. In Tony's backyard that I never knew existed. <laughs> I just know I own a backyard. I, I mean, you house. live in the city. Not all houses have backyards. Not as big of a backyard as I do? Right. Okay, I got <laughs> you there. So, with that being said, we are going back to the old trusty snow globe. Yes. And after... We haven't used this really in forever. It's been a while. Trying to test the settings, hoping that... I hope it sounds good. Yeah, audio comes through. I'm going to yell the whole time just to be sure. And also, now I get to go and buy more equipment for... Which you well, actually kind of love, right? 
Oh, I like finding deals. Yeah. I like, but I don't like spending the money because I buy everything. So if you want, unless this is your commitment, <laughs> Lens, that you're gonna help to donate <laughs> to Drunk on Comics to fund their new mixer, just email me at drunkoncomics at gmail dot com. <laughs> just pennies a day, you can help support Disney Channel and us. A starving podcast. <laughs> There are starving podcasts all over the world, but this could be your starving podcast. We'll send you pictures of the sad, starving coasts of this podcast to your mail once a month with little stories about how they're doing. (laughs) I have a friend that owns a production company. I almost feel like I need him to make a video of that now. You have, like, you know... Sad microphones in the background and like sparks coming just, off equipment. Just, just a dime a day. <laughs> Tony's cupboards bare of actual food. <laughs> so, with that being said, and in all things considered, um, yeah, yeah, welcome I, back. Yeah, you I were mean, off last week. What? You were off last. Yeah, week. I know. I was off last week. That's what I just said. I know. Well, I thought you said we were off no, last week. You yeah. were off. I was going to be like, I'm pretty sure you posted something. (laughs) Did you listen to it? Was there anything there? (laughs) Do you want it by honest? I don't feel there was anything there. Anything of substance. That's not true. I mean, it was the greatest podcast ever. Please send in money, kids. (laughs) I might have just posted a blank podcast as a ruse to see if you actually listen when you're not on. Oh my god. So, behind the scenes editing stuff, there was one time where mixing it up and putting it all together i had forgot that that um there was a a time lapse in there that we had a pause for something breaking in here and that i forgot about it and there was a good 10 minutes of dead oh air my God. and i'm like thank god derek used to listen to it all the time and he told me <laughs> and i was like oh it's more work that i have to do for being underfunded aka yes. not funded yeah so again for pennies a day <laughs> You too can host a flailing podcast. <laughs> flailing? <laughs> flailing. <laughs> now, now, flailing, making... flailing and failing. We're not failing. We're awesome. Now I kind of want to put a inflatable arm, flailing arm man in my Oh my front. god, that would be so noisy. It would just be like... It would be... You want to put it in here, in this no, room? No, no. Oh. Out front of my oh. house. Just because you said flailing, that yes. just made my mind go... Again, I like buying things. I flailing have an inflatable flailing arm tube man. <laughs> I have impulsive impulses. Yes. I impulsive could actually, impulses. Yeah. I would have to say I would not be surprised in the least if I drove up to your house one day and there was at least two of them in your front yard because I feel like you wouldn't do just one. Oh, yeah, and I'd, I'd tape uh, some cardboard swords to them until <laughs> <laughs> they battle to the duel, duel to the death. <laughs> That sounds actually kind of awesome now. All right. Well, uh, let's get into what this podcast is about, comic books. Yes. And everything else in that realm. And let's start with some reviews off the shelf. Yeah. I have a couple quick reviews. Okay. And then I'll kind of get into my main one. Sure. Uh, Secret Empire is there. Yeah. Number nine came out. Is that the whole review? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fully kind of go back. I mean, I reviewed number five and, and what kind of happened up until yeah. then. This last issue had some very cool highlights. 
and some very low lights. Ooh. And, it, and it pretty much brings up the whole point of this series as, meh. <laughs> I mean, the battles and, and how they're fighting and finally, last issue when they had the finally the shield come down. Uh, the space shield? Yes. And also them getting out of the, the dark dimension. Pretty much was now everyone can start battling and some of the scenes in the battle uh, there was a very very cool um, I guess I'll get a little bit into this a bit, of Taskmaster Master is talking to uh, um, the Black Ant now uh, the other Ant-Man the bad Ant-Man bad at Black O'Grady. so he they were talking while having the young Avengers trapped uh, in a force field about how you know one of them was saying how like they're kind of happy now with, you know, talking to a girl and stuff, and they don't want to go down when they know the Hydra is going to go down. And Taskmaster goes, well, it's the thing, you know, when you when things come like this, you kind of just got to switch sides. And then they go to the kids, hey, uh, if we release you, you will make sure you tell the Avengers that, like, we brought you, you know, Snack Shack that one time, and <laughs> we also let you watch TV. And Remember how that time we didn't molest you, yeah. too? Remember that? <laughs> so... They so then they let them go and that was it was just like a false or a small funny exchange of just some bad guys realizing this shit's over our head, but finding out there is this other Thor and this other world and finding out what it is the reveal of that was just stupid. I feel that this whole series is just kind of stupid. Yeah, I can't wait till it's over. Right till the next event. Yes, which is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, another quick one, and this came out last week, and this, I, I was contemplating doing a full review, but I almost feel like I can't without my brother here. No offense to you, Lynn, That's but okay. you, you don't understand the the gods and the whole, like, mythos of the Marvel Universe I as don't? well. Okay. As well as my brother would. <laughs> that's that's Okay, fair. who who is, like, the head uh, person that kind of oversees the Marvel Universe? The head person that oversees the yeah. Marvel Universe? Yeah. Like, the singular one person? Yeah, who, well, who's the god god? Who's the god of yeah, gods? Yeah, Eternity? Call? No. No? Then I have no idea. The one above all is the, one the god all. god. No, nothing <laughs> can break him. That's, like, Jack mm. Kirby way above anything that right. happens in all the universes. But that person rarely is only showing up, like, seven times. Who oversees the multiverse and stuff is a living tribunal mm. and with the um what do you call it the the aspects of the universe uh eternity um law and order or law and chaos and order um with having galactus being one of them as well part of the giant wheel of how the universe works so the ultimates to issue 100 wasn't really issue 100 but now that they're starting to go back to legacy numbering, oh. they made it 100. Okay. And then I was sad to find out it was the last issue of the Ultimates. Didn't they already end the Ultimates before? That's why they call it the Ultimates 2. Oh, and now they're ending it again. Yes. And this is the new iteration and For since now. having uh, the whole Secret Wars and everything and Carol Danvers and Black Panther and, and having... Um, America and Spectrum and all these other power hitters uh, out there. The coolest thing that I had learned without having read the series since Secret Wars was 
about Galactus the Lifebringer. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a cool... So wait, what book is this? Ultimates oh, 2. Ultimates 2. Okay. For some reason, I'm like, did you even say the book? But I did. You did. Yeah. So <laughs> we have Galactus, whose now function is to give, like, give life to the worlds and create Earth-type atmospheres so and everything. So instead of being the world eater, yeah. now he's the world maker. Kind of, yeah. Okay. And that was like a, made me go, oh, I kind of want to get into this book. When they renumbered it again last year at number one, I'm like, cool, I can start on this. And then halfway through it, they had the Secret Empire stuff going on. But that was always kind of in the back of this, this arc, not realizing that they were going to totally end it. And I knew right where it's going to go. They got to go back to the status quo. You need to have uh, Galactus become the world eater again. Right. And it was a giant cosmic war that humans, people of a certain level, wouldn't understand is going on in the universe. The maker, who is Reed Richards' evil self from Ultimate mm-hmm. World, resurrected the, the Ultimates from that world. So that's going to probably go into continuity of an interesting take from this. But the biggest thing is they left Galactus as he is. Instead of going back to the status quo and having, after everything was reset, you know, the bad guys that were going to destroy the universe and everything as we know it, you have Galactus now being Galactus. Or, no, you have the Galactus of now, the Lifebringer being Galactus, the Lifebringer after it, because this is a new universe. Hmm. They kind of got into it, and this is what I've always enjoyed. Secret, or the Secret Wars... They say the universe destroyed and a new universe popped up. Right. As they've explained in other iterations and what they've always said, the backstory of uh, Galactus is he came from the second universe into the third, which is where Marvel first started. We're on the... Oh, fuck, now I can't quite remember because I don't have the book in front of me. We are in the eighth world. So somewhere between three and eight. So from when Marvel's first started to now, mm-hmm. we've had a couple multi-universal resets yes. within there. yes. And with that being said, it's interesting to to wrap your head around those concepts of what does it mean that these people are still around? Some of these aspects, like Lactus, has been the same person where you can kind of pretty much say everyone has been reset, but right. they are the same person. We're in the 616 universe still. They don't get into a lot of it since Secret Wars. It's it's hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah, it's confusing. Yes. You need, like, massive timeline or something to be able to figure it out. And I'm not even doing justice of the book and how it went, mm-hmm. because it was some good fucking battles. The one thing that I'll say with Galactus being the, the life bringer, he went into uh, Ego, the living planet, who Ego is also one of the first aspects of, because he's Ego, like, mm-hmm. that is a... a a mind aspect of the universe and he just kind of forms as a planet. Right. So he's not trusting Galactus. Galactus is his biggest enemy. Like Galactus wants to eat him. him. Right. And when he goes into his brain and actually gives him strength to help this giant battle, he becomes ego prime. Pretty much his head. He gets really big. He he grows a (laughs) giant body. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a, yeah, giant, uh, solar system huge body so it's like it's not like a legit solid body it's like ethereal no no it's like solid he grew it grew from his head okay but like you know in, in the world the world of magic and mayhem and right. all this it happens and you look at it like cool 
And also when they go into the world of aspects and they're fighting the bad guys and the dark celestials and all these, as they say, our thoughts are what's battling. It is, Mm -hmm. we're not physically battling. It is us mentally using who we are in this realm. It was so fucking cool. Yeah. And like I said, Galactus has always been one of my favorite characters. And I hate... You are a Fantastic Four fan, so Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And I hate when you have these great stories and... Once again, like I said, goes back to status quo. Steve Steve Rogers is going to die at the end of Secret Empire. It was foretold. Right. We also had, oh, yeah, there were some other deaths in number eight, which is kind of like, whoa. But we know they're going to get resurrected at some point. Right. And and to for have them to say uh, in the back uh, of the issue, the writer was saying how that was the original plan. He goes, but why? Why does it have to be? What are we going to get out of more Galactus stories of destroying universes and having heralds? We've done that enough. We've even had them be redeemed sometimes, Mm -hmm. only to switch back. But what? what, think of what we could do for the next 50 years with him creating worlds. And other people still thinking he's going to destroy worlds, so he's still got like some negativity to him. But he's a new character. He is now kind of a hero. He's like an emo hero. Yeah. (laughs) He's sad about it because everyone's mean to him. And because of that, <laughs> holy shit, it was one of the best books I've read all year. And then to find out, though, and they're not going to be making any more right. right now, or at least team. And I think part of that also has to do with the whole shakeup with the legacy. Yeah. That's going to be happening yeah. where they're, I don't think any shakes, just makes shit better. So you think Galactus, like... I don't know. Can they sustain him as a good character? Like, will he be as important of a character as a good guy instead of a bad guy? Like, he was like an ultimate bad guy. I think so. But see, the thing is, though, he was never looked at. I mean, he was a bad guy to everyone of like Earth size and like Norrin Rad and everything. But when it came to the universe, he was a great aspect to what was needed to make the world and the, like I said, the multiverse uh, work. If it wasn't for him, they kind of got into some backstory of, you know what the celestials are? Yeah. And stuff. And the way celestials are born is they put seeds in worlds and then more celestials are, are born that way. Right. Well, you had too many celestials fucking around with the universe. That's true. They're going to, and so Galactus was kind of the, the antithesis to this. He would, when he searched for worlds anyways and just devours them, but he found worlds that had celestial seeds, and he kind of was sustained for a couple uh, months. He was able to uh, to go ahead and... So he he was kind of their enemy, even though he did what he was supposed to do. Right. Order and chaos within the world, they kind of live by their laws of who they are. Order wants order chaos, and then they made the in-betweener who then can fuck with everything yeah. because... And, and how so they're not really bad guys, but they they can be bad guys depending okay. on on the, what's going on with them. So with that being said, yes, I've never saw him truly as a bad guy. Okay, I thought of him as a flawed character that had to well, he had to destroy worlds just to survive. Who wouldn't do what they need to survive? Right. But he was needed in order for the universe to be what it is. Okay, and that makes sense. And so just giving them a different path right. on doing that, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I'm... We should do a Galactus standalone comic. That would be super weird, I think, to follow him around the universe. 
Well, I mean, I don't. You would need to have Harold. You need to have people that he can interact with. So again, you just have a Silver Surfer comic uh, book. That's true. But that's it would be cool to see Silver Surfer join back up with him as a Harold for good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be he'd be like, "Fuck yeah, high five, go right? like this." <laughs> It'd be like a buddy comedy almost. And what was what was crazy within in Ultimates though as well in the last couple issues? There was the point where it was even showing him being corrupted and going back to the purple because he's uh, gold now when mm. he's the Lightbringer. But the purple Galactus that kind of mentioned him more less good and evil and just more color and what he right. his function was. It kind of gives you the sense of it's always there. But I hope, as like I said, they just are like, we don't need to retread that. Maybe we can have a story arc where it seems like he'll go evil, right, but it doesn't. But then that's the the same trope of. Will Captain America go evil? Yeah. But he's always good. Let's leave Galactus good. I, yeah. Okay. I, I talked more of that book than I thought I would, but... Ha-ha! I had questions. It was amazing. <laughs> so I have one more one that I, I'm going to get in deeper to, okay. but let's have you, you go you first. you do mine first? All right. So I read Hi-Fi Fight Club this week from Boom Studios. It's actually a Boombox uh, book, which is the younger, younger audience, geared towards the younger audience. <clears throat> But, actually, Boombox, I think, is the teen yeah. imprint. Um, so, anyway, Hi-Fi Fight Club. It has the word Fight Club in it, so I read it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick it up by mistake? No, no. I, I, I chose to read it. It had a bunch of girls on the cover, and it was called Hi-Fi Fight Club. So, I was like, this looks like something I would read. And it is something I would read. It was very good. Uh, created and written by Carly Usdin and pencils by Nina V. Oh, I'm sorry, Nina. I have no idea how to say your last name. You notice how I kind of don't mention who writes books <laughs> yeah. and does stuff anymore? I just feel better about myself not messing up Nina names. Nina V. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Nina. Uh, inks by Irene Flores and colors by Rebecca Nalti. The colors in this were actually... The art and style in this is really good. It's very like your traditional uh, boom type art the boombox type art where it's borderline realistic but not really kind of anime-ish but not quite to that point yet um but this this uh comic book follows a girl who works for a, a vinyl store in the late 90s it's 1998 to be exact and she's 17 so that i was totally reading this going like oh my god i was 17 in 1998 <laughs> <laughs> this book is about me but it wasn't um so she's she's the new girl at uh, a vinyl store. They still existed, record stores, whatever. It's well, like, they're, they're coming back. Yeah, I don't, they are. We have a bunch of them in Grand Rapids, and I love them. See, so the thing, like, for most people, even when I grew up in this day and age, I remember two distinct record shops, and I, I like music, but also it was the advent of the CDs and mm -hmm. stuff that really people were going towards that technology. So it didn't really step, and even the the record shops here in our town, which is a big city, right, doesn't compare to the New Yorks and the LA's, right. the Empire Records, which most people get a vision of that from the movie, right? Because that's kind of how it actually was, but the visual of it, I mean, pretty much it was not word for word, but visually stunning, the right. same same type of atmosphere. I remember going into a Virgin. 
Superstore in Chicago before all of those closed because, like, those types of record stores aren't a thing anymore. Like, the big ones where they sold CDs and you could go to the CD listening stations. Mm-hmm. and But it was two floors. And it was the best thing I'd ever been in in my entire life. It was definitely, like, the country girl walking into, like, Wonderland. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But anyway, so Chris is her name. She's... You find out very quickly she's definitely a lesbian. They don't play on it super hard. She's just got this cute little crush on the cute girl that she works with, um, who she does not know whether this girl likes girls or boys yet. So she doesn't hasn't known her very long. But so this this comic book is like Empire Records meets High Fidelity meets a teenage girl movie from the nineties. Like if you can think of a way to combine all those things, that's what this comic book feels like. You've got your She's definitely a bumbling, like, protagonist, Chris is. She's unsure of herself. She doesn't know what she's doing in the world. And then you have the other girls she works, works with. So she, you've got a goth girl. You've got the cute girl. The girl who's really cool, who knows everything about music. And then the adult of the comic book who runs the store. The 24-year-old store manager who's the adult of the book. They're all girls. And so it's pretty awesome. So this this the beginning of this is following Chris around, her trying to find her way to not be the new girl at the job anymore, and it's just cute. It's just a cute story. And then you get to the end where they're having a, a like a band come in to do a show, as they do at some records, like an Empire Records, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Rex Manning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the lead singer of the band doesn't show up, so they cancel the show, and... The manager says to Chris, well, it's about time you learned what we do here at night when you go home, which sounds pretty suggestive, actually, when I say it like that. But she hits a button and like a panel slides open and they go downstairs and you find out after reading this very cute, like getting to know you type book about these wonderful girls that they're actually in a fight club, like a legit, we hang out in the basement and beat the shit out of each other. Fight Club. So you're adding that movie into this mix yes. of what this comic book is yeah, about. It's told like you could see the nineties influence in is this. Is there a Tyler book. Durden? <laughs> Not yet, but I certainly hope so. <laughs> One of the girls just two of the girls that you're picturing are actually the same person. <laughs> Chris is actually the girl she's got a crush on. Uh, but no, I was like and you I wasn't surprised because the book is called High Fi Fight Club. But I was because I completely ignored that title the entire time I was reading it because it was so cutesy and, like, tropey that by the time you got to then, you're like, oh, fuck, yes, this book's title has Fight Club right in it. Why didn't I think of that? Well, okay, well I mean, joking aside where we, anything that says Fight Club, we automatically think of right. of that. How similar is it to that type of Fight Club, though? Because it could be like a Fight Club where people wrestle, people do some ninja stuff, right. not beating each other up. Like, so they and ha- making soap and shit. <laughs> Unless they do in this. They haven't gotten into that part of it okay. yet. They haven't really gotten into whether it's just an all-out fight club. First rule fight club. Don't talk about fight club. Second rule fight club. Don't talk about fight club. Like, that kind of fight club. It's just literally like we're a fight club. But throughout the book, they give you little hints that you kind of don't pay attention to until you get to the end like they there's so they didn't show the basement or anyone fighting not yet oh okay. no. because i'm almost like thinking what if they went in a different direction they and, might and completely and, throw it and they are a fight club aka the record store they all battle each other to like 
but then they go to other record stores and like beat them they up. Could, or it could be really fucking just based on music, and it could be like band battles, like rap I have, battles. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. It could be anything. But there is a part in the book where Chris is talking to this this cute girl that she likes, and they're talking about how Chris doesn't ride her bike because she's always falling off of her bike, like constantly. So she doesn't That's ride. Just sad. <laughs> I know. This is because she's the bumbling protagonist, right? Um, and she notices, because this girl had ridden her bike into work, and she noticed that the girl had Band-Aids all over her fist, like her hand, the top of her hand, and she goes, is that from falling off your bike? And the girl's like, uh, yeah, kind of. So clearly there's something going on where people are getting physical with each other. I don't know. Ex- we don't know exactly what yet, but... It's very cute. I can't wait to see if it gets a little bloody and dark. I think that would be an awesome contrast to the characters they've created in this book. I also would like to add that they put an entire page in here about comic boys who work about at comic book stores, and they couldn't reference the X-Men directly, so the the guy's wearing an X-Men shirt, but it's literally EX-Men, and they're called the Uncanny U-N-K-A-N-N-Y X-Men. And I thought that was a super funny way for them to get around. (laughs) But it's totally like the references there and everything. So you know it's not just like a snarky off-put of the X-Men. Like they're trying to actually use the X-Men in the book, which I thought was fun. But it was a great book. I was super happy I read it. I can't wait to see what happens next to see what kind of fight club this actually is. Um, And I kind of want to see these girls kick each other's asses. Because I think that would be fun. So, there you go. That's my read for this week. Alright, so my last one that I have is one of the generations. Now, I've briefly, like, read some of the other ones that have come out. Uh, The Hulk story. Um, I learned about the the, um, Laura and Logan one, which everyone said is a must-pick-up. Was one of the best ones so I do need to still read that one. This one was really good. And I'm so confused about this whole Generations thing. Is I understand it's a past with the with the current whoever it is that has the name. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, how it's happening, what's going on right. with it. Because like, some of them, like the Hulk, they're both alive still. Right? Logan and Laura, they're both alive still. Yeah, but this was with, the, with original... Like Wolverine, Wolverine, who's dead. Well, and like they did, they're doing a dead a gene one that I haven't read yet because I'm a loser. Yeah, who's a dead dead gene? Yeah. So like how like I don't know how these things are happening. I mean, it's they pretty much have said it's time travel in the sense of they were plucked out, but because most of these like different the versions are going to the past or whatever that these have all happened. Okay. So they're trying to say that this is real continuity. Like, Oh, so this happened in one of the in past. times, yeah. yeah. So with this book, you have uh, Jane Foster Thor being brought back in time to uh, Thor when he was a young young godling who he's starting... like Godling. Yeah. Well, it, it starts off with him picking up... And first off, like this is uh, created by Jason... Or written by Jason Aaron, who... He is Thor. Yeah. Everything that he's done For sure. is amazing. Uh, big dick tease. Yeah. Mahmoud <laughs> Asrar is an artist and Jordi Belair colors. Um, it starts off with him trying to lift the hammer, which most times whenever you get to young Thor, 
the hammer is in like the the treasure room and he's trying to nudge it and this he's being able to lift it like an inch or so this time he's like oh i got it a little bit higher you know this time like trying to be worthy and odin's like yelling at him of like don't touch that and not saying you won't ever be worthy but like you're my son come be my son I'm glad that he called him Thor because I'm sick of when people keep, like I said, and I bitch about this forever, call him Odin's son. But then he's like, you should be an Odin's son. And I'm like, you used it correctly. You're yelling at your son yeah. and saying he should be more regal. Come with me. We got some guests coming in. One thing leads to another. And what I like the most is, as he was saying, like he couldn't, his dad said he couldn't drink there. And he's his dad's all saying, stop going to Midgard and messing around with those humans and <laughs> stuff. And, and so he's pretty much getting told no, no, no by his dad. So what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to take off. Right. And. Like a bratty teen. Yep. And so Vikings were asking for some help. So he heeded their prayer. He's like, screw dad. I'm going to go down there. And with that, these Vikings, the plot of this, when you find out Loki set it up to, to try to trick his brother. Ugh, because it's Loki. also a younger, really evil Loki that really just wanted like for Thor to die, not mm-hmm. the current version where more trickster and right. kind of has a better pace. So with this being in the past, he's he goes. These Vikings were sent to uh, Egypt. So when you get to the sense of why they were sent there, when you find out Loki did it, well, I didn't need that at all. In fact, the whole Loki thing was just dumb to throw in this story because. Whatever, Vikings were going down there. I mean, it totally, like, because when you said that, though, the first thing that popped in my head was, why were there Vikings in Egypt? Like, that logistically back then was very hard. So, I guess Loki putting them there adds a little bit, like, an ease to that thought. (laughs) So, you have Thor coming on down, and then, well, Apocalypse is there. Oh, right, because it's Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also the age and time of, like, Apocalypse rising and... And what was great about this, and that, like I said, I always love whenever they do the little, check this issue out, or, or this is translated from this, or this story. I actually knew what happened in Uncanny Avengers uh, back in 2012-ish. Was it that long ago? I don't even know if it was that long. They've had some stories with Thor going to Egypt time mm-hmm. and battling Apocalypse and, and his acolytes and stuff. So this has already been in canon Thor has showed up in Egypt before so this isn't like a oh we're just gonna make him fight Apocalypse for the reason of fighting Apocalypse right they've took in where they've had multiple stories of him fighting Apocalypse and now as Jason Aaron man yeah <laughs> and, and like I said he, he writes pretty well like I said I was gonna say that was dumb for including Loki thing eh, you know yeah, yeah. It, it made sense then yeah. so it's cool but you have uh him fighting uh, Apocalypse but he he doesn't have a, a hammer he's still young he can like kick ass but not as well as does he have future. an axe he does still have his axe all right joe born yeah something like that yeah but at some point jane foster just appears out of nowhere and this is the point where uh this whole this issue you know when they have kind of like story arc titles called the vanishing point okay and i'm hoping that this is kind of part of what's been going on with no one knows why they're disappearing where they're disappearing from but they're showing up and they kind of got right into it of not making the people dumb. Jane was like, when she starts realizing this young Thor, he's laughing. You have, you know, Majora, how could you wield that? You're a wench. And she's like, well, maybe you're not worthy because you're calling people wenches. And then that shows a thought bubble of this has to be a younger, more right. stupid Thor. 
so I must be in his past. Great writing. It shows the confidence of the hero. Right. It was, yeah, good dialogue. And throughout the whole di- the dialogue with Jane and everything was great. And it was also part of a story of her talking about how wielding the hammer more, because she's dying of cancer. Everyone right. knows that. Which, when reading this, it brought up of, why have we not cured cancer yet in this yeah, universe? I know, right? Or... In at least the the you could take her essence and make her into an, a different body. She's technically in a different body when she becomes the goddess of thunder. Right, anyways. that's why she has she can't change back now, right? Yeah, and she's holding on to the hammer so tightly because she wants to be, you know, this right. be Thor. And so that's her contemplation through this. We get towards the end, and one of the big reveals is she's explaining to Thor about how you need to, your humanity is what makes you worthy. Remember that it's not you being a god, it's, you know, it's not who worships you, it's that you are on the same level with them. And and then that's her kind of cue realizing maybe, you know, I can't give up my humanity just to be a goddess. Like I said, it was a lot of cool things. There was one part when they were leaving Egypt, and he also stole his, uh, uh, the um, the six-footed uh, goat. Mm. Forget, forget the name, to, to get there. So he was kind of help battling uh, Sephenorish? I, this, I think. These Nordic names are very hard to pronounce. <laughs> but anyways, when they're, when they're sailing away from Egypt, and you know they won and they took their loot... I was like, what's it dragging behind him in the water? And they're like, oh, and you took the, took the funny nose off of that Catman statue. <laughs> and I go... <laughs> That's a good one. That, that, was, that was a that good, was good. good one-liner. Um, I, it, 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 it worked well. It was a great book. But we get to the way uh, end when she then kind of just uh, disappears and... Where she went to, I don't know. And this is where... I'm trying to grasp, where does this Jane Foster then come out of time? We know within Secret Wars, within the free comic book day one, she was zapped out of existence. Right. And I was thinking, oh, this is maybe an explanation of where she was during this whole uh, secret, whatever, secret empire. Yes. Too many secret shit. (laughs) Um, Marvel has a lot of secrets. However... (laughs) She her hor- or her her hammer dropped. Then she has oh, her hammer in this, right. so it can't be that right. time. So it's got to be sometime afterwards. One thing that I left out to bring up now within uh, the last issue with the giant battle is uh, Doctor Strange in the Secret uh, Empire had to have her come out of like pretty much brought her out to wherever dimension or wherever time or place she was mm-hmm. and she came out of it and she pretty much whacked Scarlet Witch in the back of the head to knock her out because she was away so long from her hammer she then reverted back to uh, shaved head Jane Foster and and Dr. Strange was like keep her close we're going to need her uh, make sure she doesn't get hurt but then we need to also get her her hammer and all that hoopla so did she just call for her hammer and it comes to her? It's because she was so weak then, oh. just being like, okay. I don't think she has the willpower. She needs to kind of touch it now. I mean, she can be Jane Foster without having to physically have it, but I think they're trying to say you need to have a connection at some point with the hammer. Otherwise, she could be Thor 
all the time right, right, without right, right. having it. Um, and so obviously it wasn't the same person. I, it, it would have been cool had she not had the hammer so it could have tied in with, with the Secret Empire. But then again, you couldn't have the whole uh, why... Why do or, you have a hammer yeah. and why don't I? And You're I will a say woman. This was the one part with the Loki too why he just kind of got out of there after explaining that to, to Jane. was like, you with the hammer is actually even worse than me destroying Thor right now because this is going to really push him over the edge. So, I'm like, okay, I could also believe that, that Loki got out of there at right. that time. Um, yeah. It, so, I know this has nothing to do with the story you just told me, but I think a long enough time has passed that you can finally tell me what made Thor unworthy so, to begin with. Like, not, not back in the day, obviously, he had to earn his worthiness. Like, you know, when he lost it during... What the fuck was the name Deadly, of it? Uh, Deadly Sin... No, not Deadly Sins. Uh, uh, something Sins. Yeah, Original Sin. Original Sin, yep. yeah. So... Because that was, like, years ago. Yeah, so we had Original Nick Fury. Uh, Whisper who, something in his ear. Yep. Yep. Lost his worthiness. Instantly. So this is what he whispered, and I'm going to have you take a guess of what that means. And I'm also going to tell you why... It's the perfect thing that it could ever be said. Okay. Like, there's there's many things that me and my brother were, like, speculating, like, you know, like... And one of the leading theories was he gave Jane Foster her cancer somehow. Like, him realizing that he's the person that did that. Oh. Um, but what, uh, what uh, Nick Fury said was, Gore was right. Gore. Mm, G-O-R-R was right. I don't know who Gore is. Okay. So you're going to have to get a little historical on me. So Jason Aaron's run on, um, fuck, was it the Mighty Thor? Yeah, or I think it was just Thor. Whatever, the Thor book, um, prior to him losing it all, started off with a younger Thor. Actually, it was the issues took place in three distinct different timelines. A younger Thor uh, starting out, a Thor now, and then a Thor at, like, the end of the world where he lost his arm and has, like, what looked like the, um, the armor, the... Winter Soldier? No, not no. Winter Soldier. The one armor that they have locked up. Why am I forgetting all these particulars? Um, but anyways, and he had one eye patch, so he was and pretty much he was then... Right. Odin. He had the Odin. Uh. He had the, and he actually had the Odin Force. So he's at the end of the world, and you're following all these, wondering how they weave together. And you have this guy named Gore, the God Butcherer. Okay. Who was going around the the multiverse and killing different gods. That was his take. Okay. Mainly because you find the tragic story of loss and everything. And I won't get into that. Until he, he comes across Thor, who being kind of the the biggest adversary or heroes to stand up to gore gore made this thing called the god bomb which was a weird stupid name but ultimately it was to erase all gods from mm. the world because the, scarlet witch because we don't need to yeah we don't need to have <laughs> gods right because all gods are pretty much you know you can't count on them uh they're never truly there for you um and pretty much Thor's like, no, you need us, you know, we need you for your worship, we need you to be there, 
And so and by he, Nick Fury saying that Gore was right, he's basically saying gods are not important. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. That that you're all unworthy. That what Gore was doing was pretty much uh, the correct route. Oh, uh, I mean, not the correct way to go about it, right. but his motivation was correct. Like Gore was saying, gods are unnecessary. Yeah, and Thor was like, no, you totally need us. And then yep. by him learning that. He, we don't need gods. It made him definitely full of self doubt. I'm sure. Yep. It just just because of that whole aspect of it was a huge part of his. And there was like some time stream iteration where Thor was able to see his three selves and or his other selves, and it was a really good run. And it, it still is. Most people now that that read Thor, it's a recommendation highly because of the nature of what is God right? and how they do interact and how a lot of us are minuscule. Mm. Like if I were just pray Thor, come to me now, help me, save me. Doesn't mean much compared to Vikings that right. were going to Egypt. It, yeah. So it was like, would you have ever guessed that that's what was, it was that made him unworthy? Would well, you like have... I said, the, the one thought originally was that he gave Jane, you know, but then me and my brother talked about it a little bit more after the events of original sin and we're like, you know what? I think it's got to do something with Gore. Yeah. Like, and then what we we both came up with was, what if they say that you know Gore was right or something? Not thinking literally, it was just going to be that right. one word, but also knowing it was a small sentence, whatever he said. Yeah, very quick. And and so for those that have read people that just picked up the unworthy Thors and reading like, what the fuck's that mean? They did a pretty good job within the five issue arc to kind of give a little knowledge to who Gore was. You could read those and get like a sense of, Oh, okay. Okay. If you didn't know the whole history of then what happened with Nick Fury and everything, they kind of get into that too with him whispering in it, tying this back into secret empire. Thor has been kind of on Cap's side because Cap picked up the hammer. So he feels like that's, and a lot of people keep saying this is not, this doesn't seem like it's Thor. Like, what the fuck's going on? And there was an issue where he kind of let some people escape. Like, mm-hmm. some of the heroes, like, just go. I can't hold them off for long. In Secret Empire, he pretty much called down Thunder and pretty much stopped the battle. Hmm. Until... Without his hammer? Without his hammer. Which kind of makes it seem like... He's never really needed the hammer to be the god of thunder, right. but you kind of need it to be calling the, the thunder. So we're assuming that he's worthy now. He doesn't. He never needed the hammer before in his hand to to do that. How that story arc came about, I do know within some of the Thor books coming up, the death of Thor. So I'm thinking Jane's gonna die, and yeah, Odin's son Thor is gonna get the hammer back. This is kind of setting up to it. Which then this whole book that I just reviewed kind of is a precursor to Jane realizing, you know, her humanity is more than being a god. So maybe it's time to let go and all that. Which would fucking play perfect into what's coming up next from Marvel, which is Legacy. So then they're going back to Legacy Thor. Well, what, with the numbering? Yeah. Well, yeah, with the numbering, that's... I mean, that's still marketing ploy, but it's also just, I'm right. um, thank God they're not going to have number ones all the time. One of the biggest things that happened at the end of this book, though, which it, it flat out says to be continued in, uh, find out more of it in 
Don't Miss Marvel Legacy number one, which I keep reading about this BC Avengers, like the 10 million BC Avengers. I'm very curious of that. And that I... <laughs> just seems I just feel like I'm like, it's going to be the Flintstones or something. I, I no, <laughs> and I kind of want to see that. Uh, one of the biggest reveals at the end of this, uh, there's Odin kind of talking in space to someone about how, you know, my son, you know, reckless doing that, never listened to me, but I was quite proud of him here and stuff as a, as a father would do. Oh, there was a funny part where Thor is going back with the Vikings. Let's go back and, uh, you know, and I will make love to all the, the wives of the men that died in this battle. <laughs> and the Vikings go, well, all those people that died weren't married. And then Thor goes, well... I will go back and make love to all the ugliest men that were in the battle or something. <laughs> all right, so still showing that he's kind of a dick, yeah, but yeah. So Odin, going back to Odin, being proud of him, he's talking to someone, and the someone is kind of on fire, and he's talking about how you know I you know I miss you know I miss you uh, in those times and. Fire Lady, aka Phoenix, saying you know you well, you're misremembering, and he's like. You know, well, I still miss you. And kind of going back to, she's like, you know, don't call me back here, you know, just to, to lollygag and talk. And he's, he's, and she's saying how you've had many wives before. And he's like, yeah, but I've had no love, love like you. And, you know, there are, there are no others, you know, like, like the Phoenix. And then ends with them showing a younger uh, Odin kissing the phoenix now we're not saying green Jean Jean gray, gray no but the phoenix right as a force yeah as like an embod the legitimately she's just made herself into the shape of a woman yeah Jean yeah. grayish yeah type woman yeah but it was the, their interactions of him kind of talking to her and then saying you miss it and her kind of saying you're misremembering some of it and i'm like saying oh so they're setting up this doubt but then you kind of get to the last page of no she's pretty much kissing him yeah. there's something there God, i wonder why that never i mean this must be a new idea because otherwise well, i feel like they could have totally played on that well here's so the th here's times. the thing like uh what i was saying with with these generations ones too because it took place in an already time yes this store woman could have came down maybe he just forgot about that or or whatever because some of these people you'd have to think if this truly happened where the amnesia sets into right. how did I have the interaction? Unless it's more recent, like like uh, Amadeus Cho or something, I can extend Thor has lost his memory before, so he in all the new books you just never knew this happened. But right. just like he's always been to Egypt and stuff, this obviously is, they always try to make it continuity. So what is behind that? Right. And what is legacy, Marvel legacy, and <sighs> getting back to the story? It's it's I'm. Excited. I'm just... I am excited a little bit just because I don't know what's going to happen and that's something that hasn't happened in a while. It's just the not knowing because I feel like we usually find out pretty far in advance what's exactly going to go on in whatever Marvel's doing next and we don't know. And it's a good thing. It is I mean, a good thing. What the, bears to mind because I thought of this when I saw that last page too is who do you like more, Jean Grey or Phoenix? 
Who do I like more? Yeah. I like Jean Grey more. Okay, but does this intrigue you it enough? It totally does. I would totally read that. And why, though, if we've never seen a phoenix outside of right. Jean Grey? We have, well, we have a scene of Phoenix outside of Jean Grey. Yeah. But it doesn't sustain because this Jean Grey's bloodline is... They normally see it as a giant Phoenix bird, bird. usually. Right. Why, that is a good question. Why haven't we seen it outside? Obviously, it's a powerful force that's been around for centuries. And Since it, the beginning of... It just happens to show up when Jean Grey is around. No, when some redhead. I mean, yeah. it's kind of other redheads. Well, yes. Rachel Summers, which yeah. is the daughter of Jean Grey. <laughs> but I don't know, and that's very interesting. I didn't know it could sustain itself without a host. So Well Well, not, no, because it's flown through the universe. Well, right, to get but like there. interaction but Odin's a god. So maybe That's true, that maybe there's helps, a different yeah. the aspect plane of right. talking and god. Being in uh fuck, what's the name of where they live? What? Uh Asgard? Asgard, yeah. Her being in Asgard, or the Phoenix being in Asgard. I mean, to me, the Phoenix wasn't a gender, so yeah, it was finding the, that it chooses to be a woman. But I always, I mean, you kind of got to look at sometimes natural biasness and certain things you, you portray a gender bias on. Mm-hmm. Transformers. Dudes. They're dudes. Yeah, However, robots. But there are female ones. There's always only really uh, a few. Right. RC was really the only one. Then they introduced Windblade, and now they have a whole world of female ones. They're really trying it's to be smart. diverse. There was even in one of the... the... <laughs> totally like the Smurfs. <laughs> in the most recent one, they they put it up, and it was kind of a... They didn't mention it too much, but uh, how you're, you're a she, and she's a she, but I remember... That was not the case, and they're like, sometimes we decide to change. You know, I feel this body feels better. That's like, awesome. No, that's some very heavy like. It is stuff. But the way they did it, totally. Like you can totally nuance it like that with something like the Transformers. Well, and the biggest thing, like, and I've said it before, with Transformers, with putting our whole bias on, where it's a different society, it's a different world. They have what they call uh, conjecture. Fuck, now I'm forgetting the exact term that they created. Pretty much of, you're my spark mate. You're my better half. You're mm. not a lover because they don't make love. They don't have parts to do that. Right. But you are so close to what I would consider a significant other that you've seen that within the, the series of mainly males. Having spark mates? Yes. And, and you're just Federal like... life mates like yeah. Jay and Silent Bob. It's really... <laughs> And it's really cool seeing that dynamic of right. most people would then say, wait, are they talking about being gay? And then most people would be like, no, they're just talking they're about love. They're fucking robots. They're talking about love, though. And that's... But they're not fucking robots, I yeah. guess. <laughs> so I was going back to the, the Phoenix. Yeah. You just associate, because it's always been right. a gene right. that all aspects of it is a female personality. Right. But you've seen, I've seen, you've seen it inhabit men. I mean, it oh, did yeah. for the, and then there was, I can't remember, there was a guy... Was he Shi'ar that had the, was the host for the Phoenix for a really long time, oh, actually. There's been, yeah, yeah, there's been multiple. Right. But you're right. We do generally, even though it's just some fucking fire floating through space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so enough about those books. Yeah, we, that was, that was, a we got in. doozy we got in conversations. Too deep. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, um, Legacy for a minute. Specifically, uh, 
these lenticular covers that are coming out that everybody's going to want because they're the ones that go from the legacy, the old cover, to the reiteration of the new cover. And with my, how happened with the whole... Uh, Was it villains? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves lenticular covers. If you had a choice looking on the shelf between this cover that does nothing, <laughs> this cover that does two things, <laughs> what would you choose? And they're maybe a dollar more. I don't know. Were they yeah, they were only about a dollar yeah. more. So <clears throat> Marvel has decided that in order for comic book stores to be able to purchase the lenticular covers, they have to have a minimum order of the cover A, basically. So, which I think is some bullshit, because I want the lenticular covers, and when I order it, that's the one I want to order. But that means the comic book store has to buy twice as many of the regular covers before they're even allowed to think about ordering the lenticular covers. So does that mean if I don't order it at all, I don't get one at all? Or am I stuck with the regular cover? Do I have to get both to be a good customer? Because by me ordering this lenticular cover means they have to up their order of the regular covers. It's such bullshit. I know. And that's... Seldom do we get into comic book shop... Right. Backroom fudgery we don't that know happens. A lot. We don't know a lot about it. I would always love to know more. And it's cool reading about this or hearing from some of our friends that, that run shops right. about the headaches of this sort of shit because that's what it is. Right. It is giant piles of shit. Now, I, I mean, I see where there does need to be some sort of reason why stores, because people are, I'm going to go wanting to find those. Right. And if they're available at any shop, I'll go to any shop. So the shops that order more should get more. Right. But what number that is and why, like there, because it's also, uh, False inflated sales. Yes. Because those numbers that, that everyone says was the highest rate of book, those are the diamond sales that the places bought. Right. It's not what those people could actually be, bought. Those could be sitting on a comic book store shelf, mm -hmm. not being purchased. Now, a good thing would be, though, that a majority of the time those did sell as yes. much because there wouldn't be a reason for them to buy them right. with that. Yeah, I don't... But, I mean, I know... So, my comic book store is smaller so we have a pretty great large comic book store in our city, but it's not very close to me. So I buy from the one that is close to me, and it's a smaller. Um, so they basically, unless it's a bigger title, order to fulfill people who have pre-ordered, and that's about it. Maybe one or two extra ones. Marvel ones, they'd probably order a little bit more. But to, I would believe that anybody who would pre-order this book would want the lenticular cover, unless they're straight-up purists and don't do the alternative covers, because mm -hmm. some people are like that. I think Derek's like that a little bit. Um, so that means, great, they're going to order 10 for the people who normally order them, but that means they're not going to sell 10 of the regular ones. So those that they would normally sell to their regulars aren't going to be sold to their regulars, because they're getting the lenticular cover. So now they have even more on the shelf than what they normally would have. Which I guess isn't a huge cost for a smaller store, but fuck, there's... How many of these books are... There's like 53 different comic books coming. Fuck. 50 fucking three comic books coming out with this. That is oh, because they didn't want to be 52 <laughs> comic books? Probably. They're like, we gotta add just one more. 
It is 53 different comic book series across months. That is a lot of books. That's a lot of extra books to have to buy, too. And comic book stores, some of them, very close on their margins. Not not a huge moneymaker, from what I've heard. So it'll be interesting to see how this actually goes down. Um, I'm going to be pissed if I can't get the Jean Grey Lenticular cover, though. I'm just saying. That's cool, where that cool. is. That's where I'm ending that thought. All right. <laughs> um, big news about a big director... And a big villain yes. within the DCEU. <laughs> DCEU? You know, I said question mark, right? Well, I didn't say question mark. Yes, because it's not in, but it is, but it's not. But it is, but it's not in no, the DCEU. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, Martin Scorsese is directing a Joker. No, no. Let's, let's be perfectly clear about this. Martin Scorsese is producing... A Joker standalone. Yeah, movie. that's true. Yeah, but which is still awesome because he's putting his name is means a lot. Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese's name means ton in the film industry. So him even putting his name behind a movie like this. Is, well, it means that he has though more say what goes on. Right. So this is being directed by Todd Phillips. Okay, who I directed did not know The that Hangover. Part. Oh, so it could be funny. Um, and it's being <laughs> co-written by him and Scott Silver. Scott Silver wrote the script for Eight Mile. So you have all kinds of influences coming into this movie. And what isn't it going to be like set in the past? Like they haven't come out and specifically said yet exactly what is going to be happening in this, except that it's going to take place in the eighties. So um, and it's not going to be Jared Leto. And there's fucking not, God. <laughs> and there's not going to be a Batman in it. Right. And this is going to be not con- directly connected to the DCEU movies. So it's 100% a standalone movie. It, they're calling it like an Elseworlds movie. So this is going to be an alternative version of the Joker. Which is how they can get away with doing an origin story. Because Joker does not have an origin story. That's mm-hmm. the thing that makes him the Joker. Well, so, they've had origin stories, but there have been multiple ones. Yeah. Which one's true? Exactly. I, I find that this is the end of the DCEU, which I don't know why they just don't call it the DCU. Right. Like, why do they say the Extended Universe? It's weird. It, because, you know, they are very big in the TV world. Oh, so maybe yay. that's why they don't okay. want to tie those two things together. However, uh, I, I am totally fine with people not needing to do the Marvel formula. In fact... I'm sick of it. Not when Marvel does it. Marvel's doing it great. Right. Star Wars has a large universe that they're doing it right with these standalone movies mm-hmm. and then the long story arc. They're doing it right. I had high hopes for DC. They have not done it right. And, and so much so that I, I can go back to single movies that aren't connected. You can have a random movie where they then join back. You can have a Justice League movie and pop some of these people to be that. And that's a Justice League movie. But you don't need to have the same shit that happened in a Batman or the Superman. Right. Because there are so many stories to pull from, they don't need to be some giant cohesive thing. Marvel has been doing it right, and they've been doing it right for 10 years, or a span of 22 films. And I don't think anyone can really catch up to that. And even if you do, you're just copying someone else. With the old DC movies, you had Batmans, you had Supermans. It was about who the characters were. Mm -hmm. It was... Who played them? So don't have a Jared Leto, um, <laughs> or uh, or a uh, fuck who's Cl- uh, Clooney ah. play. 
But and also who directed it? What was right. the, the pace and the tone and everything? Going to even their their animated films, which are great. Yes. Uh, they take the event, the story, and mm-hmm. then they just make the movie cartoon movie. I would ha- rather have them do that with so many different things. Yeah. Just do those type of movies. I'm gonna go see it, whether it's connected to the last one or not. Right. They're not doing anything. No. They're just fucking things up. Yeah. And and I hope that this kind of is the end. We had, uh, I believe it's Matt Reeves, which is the Batman director. That's his name, if I'm remembering correctly. Was saying that Batman was not part of the DCEU a couple weeks ago. But now recently has said, wait, no, clarify, no. He is involved with it. I, th- I think they're trying to... I think they're all really confused about what they're doing. <laughs> exactly, because I don't... Like, again, I think Warner Brothers is... Too much not letting them just be organic, let them do things, and not have it all connected, shoehorned in. I And that's why I think this movie will probably be better, because I would like to see somebody tell Martin Scorsese not to do something. Like, I would like to see that happen. I would like to see what happens. Well, that's why I think, though, (laughs) that he's... No one has yet. That's why doing this, and I'm not going to be part of your fucked up world. exactly. So, and it's... with, With looking at Martin Scorsese's general genre of films that he does, it's probably going to be a, a bit of a gangster movie. So this is going to be the gangster Joker, is my guess. Oh, I was actually kind of just automatically, yeah, thinking yeah. that as well. But then where does this... I know Jared Leto is like, I'm dead set on still playing this character. I will be. Right. What I hope in this movie is that retcons who that Jared Leto guy is. It shows... But then he's not, yeah, connected to the, to right. the DCU, so I guess it it's wouldn't not matter. But anything. or at the end of that movie of of the Scorsese movie, it shows Joker has other people that are like wanting to be want to be Jokers, right. which then through just thinking about it, there because there have been other Jokers mm-hmm. within the books. Because I, I just dislike Jared Leto's playing he's, of it. He's not going away. I know because they're gonna have the Harley Quinn and Joker yes. movie that's been announced. Yeah. So. Well, they've announced the movie. They didn't announce that he's going to be him. No, he is going to be him. He signed up for it. Like, he's contracted into it. So it is going to be Jared Leto. Um, And from what I understood, this was supposed to be a Harley Quinn standalone movie, but somehow it's turned... I don't know if they're still doing that. They were going to do the the Sirens of Gotham, or Mm -hmm. Gotham Sirens, with her, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. Yeah. Um, So now it's a Joker and Harley Quinn movie. I don't know how I feel about this movie. Yes, I do. I know totally how I feel about the movie. I think it's going to be stupid. I hate Jared Leto as the Joker. I do not like the dynamic of Harley Quinn and the Joker as a couple. I think it's very toxic, and it's a bad influence to women who dress up as Harley Quinn all the time to think that they need a boyfriend like the Joker. That's how I feel about this movie. (laughs) In a nutshell. But I'm not looking forward to this movie, and I think that um, it's going to be awesome to watch a Martin Scorsese joke. I hope they come out at the same time, to be quite honest with you, because I would love to see a Martin Scorsese Joker movie trounce the shit out of this other movie. Just beat it to a, an Elseworlds movie, just beating the shit out of a DCEU movie. It would well, be you awesome. know, there's now another Suicide Squad oh, in development. Of course, there fucking is. I, I, yeah. <sighs> but I then just, they, get, they get some hits with. I'm very looking forward to the Aquaman movie. Yeah. Wonder Woman was amazing. Mm-hmm. So they it, they have... And I guess it does go back to even some... Like, as I say in the other old ones, you had some hits with mm-hmm. some Supermans and Batmans. 
You had some misses with it's some. It's true. Cause and you you're going to have those. You had the first two Keaton movies and then a bunch of Joel Schumacher shit just on a plate I, for a couple of years. I personally still kind of like Val Kilmer's neon <laughs> world. It wasn't the Batman I know, but I, it, the aesthetics of some of it was kind of yeah. interesting. But it was not what it should have been. No. Not a, a Nolan type. No. Nolan turned that genre. Yeah. And then Zack Snyder took it and pooped on it. What? So, <laughs> well, at, the Warner Brothers just poops on everything and the Suicide Squad, they don't need to make another one. No. But they made money, but they don't listen well, to... and they fucking won Academy Awards for special that effects was and bullshit. shit. So, you know, they're an Academy Award winning movie. So why wouldn't you make a sequel? Even though it's for stupid shit. It's not stupid. Doing special effects is very hard. They probably earned that yeah, but, well, Oscar. Like, but <laughs> well, speaking of special effects, uh, David Sandberg, the director of Shazam, has pretty much gone on like saying that he's really sick of seeing certain movies where they use special effects to de-age the person. Right. Where... Like in Tron. Tron. Uh, mm-hmm. Or Guardians of the Galaxy, which he did say, though, that was spot on perfect how well it looked. He goes, but you gotta spend a lot of money, you gotta spend a lot of time mm-hmm. doing that to make it hold up and be, be right. correct. He goes, people have been speculating if that's what they would do with the Shazam movie. And he's like, Why? why? Yeah, why? Like, and I was like, why would you? They were two different people. Why yeah. wouldn't you just have a child actor and an adult right. Shazam? And 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 he's like, I guess some people were talking about if that's how they're going to do if getting a big name because, like I said, Robert Downey Jr. in the Iron Man movie, yeah. like making them young Captain instead of America, casting, yeah, yeah, instead of casting someone else. Yeah, I, I that makes sense though because they're adults, younger adult versions of themselves. This is a fucking child. I don't look like the way I looked when I was eight. So why? <laughs> why would you even try to put that effort in? That's a lot of work. Not only do you have to make them look younger, you have to make them look way smaller. Um, so yeah, I don't know why people thought that that was going to happen. <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, Josh and I talked about this a little bit last week because the Black Adam isn't going to be in this movie. It's just going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's going to be its own set, which. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Black Adam, so I'm disappointed um, that he's not going to be in the Shazam movie. But it makes sense because the 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 dynamic between the two is too big to have it start in a origin movie. I guess like it's too much. You're, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know that Black Adam needs his own movie. I don't know that. And maybe the people don't know a lot about him, so you can do fucking anything you want with it but I was little... all in all that is a crossover that I would like to see yeah I mean I was gonna say Shazam Superman but no Black Adam Superman because that is a very magic hurts which I don't never have truly understood why that is magic but, hurts Superman but that is why yeah. he's like a good villain that Plus, he's fucking powerful. In 52, he was happy. God, this is still my favorite storyline, and I talk about this all the time. He was happy. He was married. He was running a country. He was the king. He was in love. He was nice. He was good. Somebody killed his wife. He blew up a fucking country. He murdered an entire country worth of people. Like, you can't go there anymore because there's no country there anymore. He blew the whole fucking thing up. It just shows how powerful he is and how underused he is as a villain and I would love to see a Superman Black Adam fight. I all right, I got to tell you for as little as I know about Black Adam, 
with learning about comic books, you don't always need to read comic books. There's tons of websites mm-hmm. and resources to go to. And I was trying to learn a little bit about him, and, and someone suggested reading this uh, particular story, which they found was the most hilarious. And I can't remember it correctly, uh, you know, word for word, but it was somehow he was fighting... Uh, Shazam and how they both have their words of power to They to kept go. yelling them at each other? Is that this No, night? no, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> what ended up happening is there was a point where uh, and maybe Mr. Mixelplix or something, somehow some magical way uh, Shazam or whoever it was was able to switch Black Adam's word. Mm. And so for forever he was just a regular person and could never switch and was pissed until uh, there was a panel of like they'll never you know he'll never be able to transform again you know and maybe a super I don't know someone that was able to switch it he'll never think of gumball uh, blood orange juju drop ice cream or something <laughs> where they show him in like a ice cream shop or something. <laughs> And someone says that, and then he kind of repeats it, uh, like, and it wasn't that; it was some weird fucking phrase. And then he transforms, and he just starts smiling and laughing, kind of like, "Motherfucker!" I would know, never would have guessed that had I not been here at this time. I really wish I remember what the words were, but it, to me, it it showed a little more human side to like. Yeah, I, I like him too. He's yeah. one of those villains that's not just one sided, right? And it's good. It's yeah. good. Um, so villains that are one-sided. Uh, it is coming out soon. Yes. I'm very excited about this. Actually. And, and I don't know if you heard of when they had a, the Alamo Draft House had the Wonder Woman women's only yes. screening. So this, they oh are having a clown only <gasps> screening. This sounds terrifying. I would love to be able to have a contest to pay and force someone who hates clowns oh, God. to go... Oh my god, this one's terrifying. I don't hate clowns. That many clowns watching it sounds terrifying. I grew up loving the circus. I love clowns. Sure, maybe people that didn't like this Pennywise clown, but... Yeah, clowns are unsettling. But I think that it would be a great experience, like, or make it one of those, like, uh, Fear Factor challenges. Oh my god. Watch the movie with clowns, so scary movie with clowns, and if you did it, you won, like, a thousand dollars to see if they... God, I want them to set that up, but... You can't scream the whole time. That's what would be me the whole time. Just jumping and screaming. Because the clowns would be mean to you. I know it. (laughs) They wouldn't be nice clowns. They would be creepy clowns. (laughs) There is a difference. (laughs) Um, I also learned that they cut a certain scene that they needed to cut from the movie. From it? Yeah. What did they cut from the movie? The spider. You ever read the book? Did they read the, cut the spider out? No, that's a big part of it. <laughs> the part where they become adults. Oh. The giant kid orgy, which one of the most absurd fucking things I've ever yeah. read in a book. Like, I, I don't think I ever... If I did read the book, it was before it was age appropriate, and I don't remember it. <laughs> it was so weird. Like I get, get what Stephen King was going for of the loss of innocence is, mm. you know... And that is a huge loss of innocence of right. a giant gangbang, but like... Yeah, that's unnecessary. That's unnecessary. So doing a blood oath and stuff in the movie is kind of a lot better. They're going to be adults last time they see yeah. each other. <laughs> I'm okay with that change, because gross. Did they do that in the original? They didn't do that in the original movie, did they? 
Oh, what they they showed the scene? Uh, yeah. Well, they didn't show it, but it, it happened as yeah. they talked about. Remember, uh, we hooked up. Or it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Boys, I tell you, you guys, I swear to God, there's a special place in your brains. I don't that know. Make us not think or say well, things that we shouldn't think. It, no, it it holds the information every single movie you've ever seen, like the a whole entire plot. Because I've seen a shit ton of movies, and I, unless I've recently watched it, I do not remember hardly any of the details. But any dude I talk to can remember fucking lines, like very small plot points that I don't even remember seeing, and just pull them out of their buttholes whenever they need it. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's in their balls that this memory is kept. I don't know, but it makes me jealous. Sorry, I just had to say that because it drives me crazy all the time. You do it to me and Josh does it to me all the time. And I'm just like, I feel like a shitty film watcher, but I can't, <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> well, what I was getting at of men and women in films and everything. Mm. Are we going down James Cameron's rant here? Yeah, I feel it wasn't a rant. Like, I feel that some of the hatred he's getting is unfounded. I do think that put him a little bit in his place yeah is correct i agree but i also can't say that like from what he was trying to say i feel that this is one of those times where he wasn't trying to not say what other people are saying because let's let's, let me read the quote i'm gonna i'm gonna read it i very rarely do we do this but i'm going to read it word for word and it's not short so bear with me here all of the self-congratulatory backpacking back padding Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman is so misguided. She's an objectified icon, and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, but to me, it's a step backwards. Sarah Connor was not a beauty icon. She was strong and was troubled and was a terrible mother, and she earned the respect of the audience through pure grit. And to me, the benefit of characters like Sarah is so obvious. I mean, half the audience is female. So basically, he's saying because Wonder Woman was pretty then she can't be a hero because the reason why everyone loves her is because she's pretty. And, okay, that's not the point I was going to side with him on. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what I get from it a little bit. Like, I can't hate on James Cameron entirely because he has done movies with strong female characters, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But... And I I think that he feels because he, he was one of the pioneers breaking that mold... For a grittier, like a different, real version mm-hmm. of you don't need to be pretty. His view is a little more warped. Of he feels that his way is the only correct way when right. there are multiple. There are multiple. It's and, like saying pretty girls can't be smart or pretty girls can't be heroes because they're pretty and that's all they need. And that's where I, I don't say you saying that. I don't think he was specifically trying he to, might not say have been trying to say cause that because I don't feel that putting him in a he hates all women thing is definitely no. not. But I don't think it came off it came women. off differently. Yeah. Uh Patty Jenkins uh kind of came back at him and just was saying how Jim Cameron's inability to understand what Wonder Woman is or stands for to women all over the world is unsurprising as though as he is a great filmmaker, he is not a woman. Strong women are great. His praise of my fi- my film Monster and our portrayal of a strong yet damaged woman oh was my God, so appreciated. I she did Monster. But if women have to always be hard, tough, and troubled to be strong, and we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of, of women everywhere because she is attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, have we? 
I believe women can and should be everything, just like male lead characters should be. There is no right and wrong kind of powerful woman, and the massive female audience who made the film a hit it is can surely choose and judge their own icons of progress. I mean, I think a big thing is James just didn't need to say anything. He just really didn't need to weigh in on the subject. I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I feel like he's trying to set up for, like, saying, like, my I feel like I've done more and, like, right. check out a movie that I'm making that's going to have a grittier one. It, but there it's doesn't just, need to be... It's not a dick showing contest like he doesn't need to whip it out and compare it to patty jenkins she doesn't have one james if there's no contest there your dick is bigger (laughs) so but they're they are they're two different types of heroes and that's fine i mean and i don't know if like this interview kind of maybe he didn't wasn't it's not something he actually has thought about so when he was asked this question in the review this is what came but it seems very well constructed so i feel like maybe he has thought about it a lot and he's probably like, oh, Wonder Woman's setting my characters back eons. Well, no, no, she's not. Nobody's saying that Sarah Connor is any less of a strong woman because Wonder Woman's also a strong woman. It's nobody's saying that. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not hating on him, but he does need to not. It was it was one of those instances of foot in mouth. Yes. That's exactly what it was. And I don't think he's, like, anti... I, I don't think anybody thinks he's anti-woman. Well, so I, I feel like a lesser person's going to come back and, like, tirade and be like, I could see him either just, like, taking it in stride and not saying anything, mm-hmm. or he may issue an apology, and I would feel in that instance it would be one of those sincere ones, not a, right. oh, I got caught saying something wrong. Right. A little misquoted, but... Yeah. Go but, Wonder Woman. Yes, coming out on DVD soon. Still in theaters, going strong, and coming out on DVD I soon. I saw that it... What other mouse... And, fuck, there's so many movie milestones for everything. It was the first to do this on a Friday, or yeah. Thursday had the best opening weekend, but that doesn't always create to always greatest. I think it was the biggest non-inflated movie, because you know how they usually take Star Wars because of the last, oh, like, they add money then, they add inflation, it. which... There, I see that should be a category, and then there should be the non-inflation one, which mm-hmm. they kind of have started doing now, just to say, hey, let's really look at what made actual money, right? Um, and I think that was the one that they just surpassed. I don't yeah. know; they keep surpassing them all I know, over again because it's an amazing movie. So, uh, booze in the book this week is pretty much a, a a booze that I've I've had for a couple weeks now. Uh, my brother uh, also got this bottle, so I was able to. Steal some of his while I save this for um, grand finale. That after this podcast is going to be posted on Monday, Game of Thrones season seven is going to be over, and we're going to learn that Bran's the Night King and that uh, you know incest is the best in Westeros because <laughs> Danny and John are going to hook up and and Danny's going to have a kid because well that's a whole theory that I when she lost her kid her dragons were born and life needs to be paid by blood and she just lost her kid and they've talked a lot about she needs a successor and i can't have kids i can't have kids everyone look at me i can't have kids and john snow's like so i don't need a condom like (laughs) but Uh. i think i think she's gonna get pregnant uh to have a successor um that's gonna be the fire and the ice baby and that's the whole point of everything but beyond all that i got a bottle of bend the knee it is a Game of Thrones-inspired uh, beer uh, from Omegang Brewery. They've done some uh, 
Game of Thrones inspired beers uh, before. This is a Belgian strong pale ale. Um, it is a 9% ABV, which normally when you get these tie-ins, they're usually a cheap lager 4.5% because they don't want to be like, oh, everyone got drunk. I mean, the bottle's fucking sweet. Um, and yeah, so I've been waiting for this to drink at the finale. So obviously we're recording Sunday afternoon prior to it. Uh, so everything I said is just speculation, but... It is speculation, and he doesn't like to spoil it for anybody ever. Just don't look at our Facebook page immediately after an airing of Game of Thrones. Shut I'm up. not bitter, though, at all. <laughs> <laughs> so having had this 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 uh, beer, I've been like, what can I pair it with? I was like, Pathfinder comes out every now, that's kind of, you know, Game of Thrones-ish. Yeah. There is, you know, some other... Uh, I feel like Omegon does Game of Thrones wine every once in a while. Oh, the, yeah, there is yeah. a wine, too, that mm-hmm. I also didn't pick up. But which I didn't know what book to, to pair this with until this week it came out. Game of Thrones, Clash of Kings number three. What a perfect <laughs> pairing. I don't know if there could be a better pairing. Um, now, I've read the books. I've seen the, the show, and this is the first of... Oh, no, actually, I read Duncan Egg, the prequel... Uh, books. So this is the first though of. I'm sorry. What did you call them? Dunkin' Egg. egg? Yeah. The Sounds pre- like a breakfast. Well, uh, if you read them, you would understand it was it's true. First, Aegon and and his everything becoming king, and the unlikelihood of the seventh son of the seventh son of becoming king, and all mm. that. So, mm. and it didn't even get into that part of the story. So, with this being said, uh, Clash of Kings number three. It it's a it's the first of these Game of Thrones comics besides that one, so taking already property and knowing the storyline. So kind of knowing where it's going to go, uh, the art was great, and it really had the essence of reading the book or seeing the show. It had uh, mainly Jon and Tyrion, uh, pretty much kind of their perspectives throughout it, going back to Jon and stuff, being at the wall, and, and uh, kind of Tyrion kind of trying to show how smart he is and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah. But, like I said, there's not a better pairing than actually have Game of Thrones right. booze with the Game of Thrones book. So. It is on the nose. And I'm looking forward to watching the finale. Yes. So. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, we're not really spoiling anything because we're predicting anyways. What, um, you know, I actually haven't thought about it at all, what I think is going to happen. You do know the, the brand theory of the Night King and that he's, him being Bran the Builder and yeah. being all brands and brand flakes and Bran Steakhouse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like his character, so I try not to think about it. I think his character is super creepy and annoying. It's beautiful. Oh, God. It's like he's on acid the whole time. It's what it's going to come. Like, maybe he ate something and it just stuck in his body for this whole time. But. (laughs) For anyone out there that's getting high with friends, just act like Bran for a night. If they just start being him and you're tripping on stuff. I'm the three-eyed raven. (laughs) I saw it. I saw you. (laughs) I saw you. I was there. When he raped you, you were beautiful in that dress. Yeah, super creepy. So creepy. creepy. That's that's why he's turning into the Night King now. (laughs) What does it for me? Yep, I just got uh, a little quote for us to end on here. Going back to 
my constant message of women's empowerment in our talk about James Cameron. Uh, a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Women are like tea bags. You never know how strong they are until they're in hot water. <laughs> you were scared about where that quote was going, weren't you? <laughs> Stay thirsty for the long wait for season eight. Oh, that rhymes. I'm a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs>